The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Guys, it has been an entire, what, two, three weeks, maybe even a month. Man, guys, it is truly a blessing to be back at it with you guys. Welcome to the Powered by Horses podcast, the new Powered by Horses podcast brought to you by the new up-and-coming Blue Stable. Now, you already know how it goes. I'm the hype man, Michael Tarazas, joined by me as always. The irritating grandpa that I have to watch that gets on my nerves, Destin Adams. Welcome to the show, Destin. Hey, guys. I'm super excited to be back with you guys. Like you said, it's been a few weeks. We've been building a lot of things. Uh, We were launching the website. If you haven't checked out thebluestable.com, make sure you're out there. We have articles. Our podcasts are officially rolling this week. Um, We're super excited to get back to producing content because this is what me and Michael love to do. Yes, Yes, yes. And you you said it perfect, Destin. I mean, I've I've missed it. Uh trust me, I did enjoy the couple of weeks that we had because who man, that those, those two weeks were hectic. Um I mean, having not having to record kind of had me sad a little bit. I wanted to talk Colts football, but it's a whole new era, guys. The blue stable, like he said, it, it's a whole new website we created with, with the help of Steven Rashad from no horsing around. We got Eric from Colts coverage, Luke, big shout out to him for being a huge help in creating the website for us. We have a whole staff of writers. And if you haven't already guys go check out the, those articles, but guys, I'm just glad to be back talking Colts football. And it's a little bit under two weeks before the draft. So we got an exciting show for you guys. And to kick it off with one of our, you know, first little segments here, Dustin and I are in the draft mood, you know. We got to go back in history. We got to talk about what was the best draft choice and the worst draft choice in our mind that we think it was today. And it could be from what we're doing from since 2010, Dustin. I mean, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Um I was at, we're pretty close in age here. I mean, I, I'm 23. Um, you're 22. Yeah. So you're about like 40. Um, and so, I mean, we, we, together we can figure out some of these best and worst draft classes. I mean, obviously it's not going to be of the Ballard area for the worst, of course. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I mean, there have been some thumpers, but of course, not not everything can be perfect for the best drafting GM in the league. But hey, let, let's go ahead and start it off. When we're talking, let's go ahead and talk about the best uh, since 2010. And hindsight now, uh, I have got to go for me, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, that's been a guy who no one thought of as being a number one receiver. He was a punt returner his rookie year. He was doing some good things. And we just, his name just kept getting bigger and bigger. bigger. The production just kept growing and growing. Playing alongside Reggie Wayne was just a blessing in disguise and teaching him how to be a pro, how to run routes better. And just being a technician at the position, that is easily uh, the best one for me, in my opinion. If I wanted to go another one, obviously, you know, we're all going to say, Quentin Nelson, but I really got to look at Kari Willis. You know, he is the guy that's lately, uh, he was a recent draft choice, but being in the fourth round, you don't find too many guys that contribute big time. And he's sprung onto the scene immediately his rookie year. So I think that's another one that I want to highlight. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, everyone could say Quentin Nelson, so I'm not going to go that route. Uh, I'm going to go another lineman, um, Braden Smith, um, the, the, the coolest thing looking at Braden Smith hindsight wise, I mean, after going Quentin Nelson at that same draft, I wasn't wanting to go another offensive lineman that early. I think we all wanted to get some skill positions build there. And they took another guard um, listed as a guard technically. So two guards there and around three picks and hindsight. Now, I mean, the fact that Ballard was able to find a guy like Braden Smith, move him to tackle day one. And he's really been able to produce ever since being drafted and he's just really come into his own. I think he's really, especially if you just compare right tackle wise, he, to me, he's like a top five to seven right tackle in football right now. Um, that pick is really amazing. And then obviously we got to talk about Darius Leonard. I mean, Darius Leonard, hindsight wise is one of the best picks i was a little bit upset on draft day uh, when we took him in the second round to be honest i had like a fifth round grade on him i remember um i was not super excited for the value there um i remember seeing bleacher report articles and everybody talking about how it was the worst choice and i was right there with him i was like man i did not like this draft oh yeah everybody just thought it was awful um i mean hindsight goes on to win rookie of the year now top five middle linebacker in the league um probably going to be the highest paid middle linebacker in the league here soon two-time all pro he's the vocal leader on this defense uh, to even match the fact that he's a two-time all pro Darius Leonard has just been stellar um coming out of South Carolina State is the small school he went to um he's just been stellar man I mean him as a player is great, but even him as a person just coming into Indy, it's just been such an amazing fit. Yeah, I think Darius Leonard is the greatest draft choice of, of Chris Ballard. Obviously, I mean, I don't think anyone could miss on Quentin Nelson uh, because everybody had that guy high on their board, but Darius Leonard is easily the best pick of the Ballard uh, tenure so far. Now, when we're getting into the worst picks, clearly we're going to go to the previous guy that held the position before Ballard so a lot to dig into here uh you know there were some guys that had talent but it just didn't pan out that well the coaching staff wasn't the greatest uh the the team there were holes all over the place guys like Jack Muhort and Dante Moncrief come to mind who had talent but it did not work out obviously with Jack had to retire early and then Dante 
just never found his footing. He never found his footing. So uh, the the worst pick is easily to me, and I still cannot, for the love of my life, understand this pick. Bjorn Werner is easily the worst pick since 2010 for the Colts. I, I went back. I did not see first round. I didn't. I saw maybe a defensive tackle in the second round. Uh, he wasn't solid. He didn't do anything. He wasn't good in the run game. Didn't develop any pass rush moves. Didn't have a good get off. I, I, man, dude, can you imagine there? This guy literally got paid millions of dollars to make that choice. Yeah, so I remember watching it in the living room with my grandpa, and I wanted Xavier Rhodes so bad I mean that that was the guy I wanted um and growing up it felt like whoever I decided was the person I wanted at the pick never he they never picked him um they were usually on the board still too just somehow some way they took somebody else um but and hey I mean hindsight Xavier Rose ends up in Indianapolis anyway um eventually down the road but man that's who I wanted there um and like you said it just doesn't make sense. Like if you go back and watch it, like you just don't, it doesn't make sense how a person can evaluate his skill set, evaluate what you saw on film and say, yeah, yeah, that's probably who I would have taken. Um, but for me, the worst draft pick um, it also is going to come from the GM who shall not be named era. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go Philip Dorsett because yes. I don't know yes. if there's a pick that pissed me off more than Philip Dorsett just because it wasn't a need that you did not need to go get another receiver. There was just so many other spots. I mean, we were watching Landon Collins. Yes. We saw safety. We saw secondary that we needed. I mean, the defense in general really needed help. The best players on it were aging. I mean, we we were watching Andrew Luck just get thrown around basically his entire career. We, We really thought we could get some help there. And Ryan Grigson goes and, reaches on a receiver out of Miami I, I I just remember sitting there being dumbfounded like what the hell just happened here but ends up getting traded down the road for Jacoby Brissett everybody's favorite backup slash starting quarterback in Indy for a couple of years here but right that Philip Dorsett pick to this day irritates me to think about yes so you know how we get into these conversations especially about Cardarius Tony and I'm like if speed is the number one thing that you can only talk about him, then he's probably really not that good. That's PTSD from freaking Philip Dorsett because Grigson coming up and talking about, oh man, he's so fast. Okay. Does he have hands? Can he route run? Can he, you know, get in and out of breaks? Can he create separation? What does speed really? And Oh my gosh, we had Landon Collins on the board. We I, I just kept banging the table for Landon Collins because we needed a safety. And he didn't turn out to be the greatest safety, but he is still one damn good box safety in my mind. So yeah, we, we definitely got to get in. Honestly, I wasn't really expecting anything else. It had to be those two, Werner and Dorsett. I, to be honest, man, I sat there and I watched it. And I literally asked myself, who the hell is Philip Dorsett? Literally asked myself I, that. I, I remember doing the same thing. I remember literally that was looking like there a, 
Like I didn't, I didn't see him in it. I mean, I wasn't doing my own scouting at that point, but yeah. I remember just looking there like, and I, but I would read bleacher reports, um, mock drafts and stuff like that. Like religiously, just if there was a new one, I went and looked at it. Yep. I didn't see this man on any first round mock drafts that year or second round. It was ridiculous. And I, I just remember hearing his name and I was just like sitting there like, are you serious? Wait, wasn't it like number 15 overall or something? No, I think it was 20 like, something because 20 I mean, something. Andrew, I mean, it was, Andrew, it was, it was the Andrew Luck era. They weren't. Oh yeah. We were 11 really five. ever. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. I don't know where I got 15 from, but uh, that's where Malik Hooker got. Taken. Malik Hooker. Yes. Malik Hooker. I literally just, yeah. So I just don't understand what, could you imagine being in that draft room, like doing all this work and you ended up picking Philip Dorsett? Like, Hey, I remember but, watching their post post draft conferences. They were, they were stoked. I mean, Chuck, oh, Pagano, they were excited. Chuck, Chuck Pagano didn't know ever how to look sad. I mean, he was a guy that was just always smiling, always <clears> happy <throat> about whatever was going on. Um, so, I mean, I mean, Frank Reich's the same way, so I guess I can't get into that way like too much there but i mean ryan grixon was just banging the table super excited about getting dorsett um and then chris ballard was super excited to trade him away um first year really getting the getting the job so oh freaking chuck pagano man i love the guy but his last year all of the oh that's on me oh that's on me all of that got on my nerves just like stop saying it's on you like it's kind of like hugh jackson going and saying i gotta watch the tape you were just watching the game. What are you talking about? Like, man, I'm over here getting worked up over guys that aren't even in Indianapolis. But, uh, okay, so, I mean, again, that's going to wrap it up for this one. Not the episode, but for this segment, going through our best and worst draft picks of the era since, like, what, 2010. So that was pretty exciting. I Nothing surprised me. I kind of knew where we were going to go. So there's there's that one. Next up, this is going to be our One Call Technology topic of the day. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has over 100 years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications. Business phone systems installation and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888 888- 585-8850 and tell them the guys at Powered by Horses sent you. Now, getting into our next topic. This is going to start getting exciting, guys, okay? So now, Destin and I are going to go through three prospects that we like if the Colts stay at 21. They don't trade up, nor do they trade back. If they stay at 21, we are going to give our player-by-player our favorite prospects that we want them to take at 21. So Destin, why don't you start us off? Oh, I mean, I'm going to try to keep it realistic um, because there's guys that I could go out and say like JC Horn, um, who I, who I really love and he's my pipe dream guy, but I I just don't see a way he's there at 21. So I'm not going to say him. Uh, I'm going to go a guy who I still think goes before 21, but I think he's going to be around there in the mix. Um, I'm going to go Christian Darisol tackle out of Virginia tech. Um, I think Darisol's a guy who starts day one, and I think he of if the Colts decide to go tackle at twenty one, I think he is the only realistic option that I would actually feel super excited if I hear his name called at twenty one. 
Yeah, I'm going to go Christian Dersaw as well. I I do think there's a good chance uh, that he goes. Although I did want to say Alavera Tucker, but uh, that's a guy that's so versatile and, you know, teams teams just love that too much these days. So when you look at the Chargers, you look at the Vikings, you look at the football team and the Raiders, I mean, they have offensive line needs too. So when it comes to Dersaw, yeah, he's the – guy that I want at number 21 I think he has an all pro ceiling potentially and that's a guy that I mean I'm with you on that same one there's uh very few tackles that I would be comfortable with taking because I just think that the same production you would get from them in the first round you could get for the same production in the third or possibly even fourth round Alex Leatherwood is a guy that I also like um that's probably at the tail end of the first round but yeah, I'm going to say it to J.C. Horn. He's my number one corner. I just love everything about him. I think he's better than Patrick Sertan. Caleb Farley, the injury issues, they're going to scare some teams. But I even did a mock draft today, and it had him slip to all the way to number 35. I highly doubt that happens, but you better damn well believe I took Caleb Farley because that's just that's just blasphemy to me. So, yeah, Christian Derisaw is the guy for me. Yeah, I guess my second one, if I'm looking at the board, um, I think I would go Jalen Phillips, um, edge out of Miami. Um, I think the only reason he's going to be around there at 21 is his injury concerns because talent-wise, he's probably the best edge in this class. Um, he, I have him as edge, too, because I have to consider the injury issues um, and just the fact that I think a guy like Quiddy Pay is just so good at all around um, that I think he's going to be the guy who hears his name first out of this edge group. Um, but I'd be all aboard getting going Phillips because sometimes you got to take swings. Um, and is there some risk with Jalen Phillips? Sure. But man, if you hit, you, you have a guy that has the capability of being a top 10 edge rusher in the league. Um, he has that, that type of talent. Um, so if I heard him at 21, there will be no bad feelings for me. Yeah, definitely. That That's a solid pick. I'm actually going to go with another edge, and it's going to be Quiddy Pay. I do think Jalen Phillips does get taken early, uh, I think possibly by L.A., the Chargers, to finally keep that pass rush going, pair him up with Bosa, uh, possibly maybe the Giants. I don't know. They already locked up wide receiver, so they could look at offensive line, edge rusher, shore up the defense, especially in the NFC East, where you have that vaunted – offense in Dallas you got to prep for that so I'll go Quiddy Pay. uh I actually like him because of the injury concerns over Phillips I think in the run game he'll help out day one pass rushing I do want to see a couple more moves come out of his bag but he's still very polished he's still very solid and I think it is realistic that he is there at number 21 All right, my third one, my third person here. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm so team trade back that just because of, I don't really like the value um, in this latter half of the first round, just because I think there's so many good day two guys. Um, I'm going to go a guy that a lot of people will be upset if the Colts took him this early. But I've, I've, I've just heard that there are teams that think – he is this of this value. Um, Dylan Raddins is another. Yeah, Dylan Raddins is another tackle that I, he he's my tackle five. I mean, right after Telvin Jenkins at, ta- at tackle four, I would not be upset 
if he ends up being the Colts pick. Um, I would rather him be a guy we traded back um, in the latter half of the first round or maybe early second in grab. But I really do think he's going to end up going first round. I think he's that good. I think he has the athletic ability that Ballard is going to like at tackle and letting him be right next to Quentin Nelson. He's, he's going to be ridiculous. Okay. Look on that one. No, no. Radden's at 21 is high. Uh, you're not wrong. He's athletic. He's got good traits, solid offensive lineman. I would personally take him in the second round because I have guys like uh, like freaking Alex Leatherwood, Eichenberg over him. Cosme, I actually have Radden's ahead of Cosme, honestly. I have uh, him above Cosme. Eichenberg? You have him above Eichenberg? Because he's so Eichenberg? strong in the run game, dude. But he's Eichenberg is so – uh, I, first of all, I don't think Eichenberg's bad. I would take him in round two if I had to. No, he's not. The pass block. But he's just so bit. he's just so bland when it comes to some of these tackles in this class, man. Like he is not um, what I would put there personally, and, and above Radens especially. I, I, I'm just a big Radens guy. I know that I may be putting him up a little bit higher than other people have him, um, but I'm all aboard the Dylan Radens train. Hey, I mean, Radden's is solid. He is a solid left tackle, and it sucks that we didn't get to see him this year because North Dakota State uh, obviously not playing a football season. So couldn't see a little bit more, could not see where his athleticism uh, went, how far it, how better, how much better it got, uh, hand usage, you know, getting his hands in between the pads, all that stuff. I wanted to see a little bit more, but because of that, I have to stick to where I had him and Alex Leatherwood put on more tape and Eichenberg put on more tape. And I just liked what I saw from those guys and Raddins. I mean, from as a late first rounder or second rounder, I think that's where he could go. Uh, Tevin Jenkins. I don't know that, that, that is surprising. That, that, that is surprising. But my third guy at 21. Yeah, this one is tough. This one is tough. I don't think it is a need at all. But, oh, man, I do got to say, if by some miracle Caleb Farley fell to 21, we take him. I I will say that if he – and I do think that is realistic. I do think that's realistic because of the needs of offensive tackle, because of the needs of edge rusher. That's going to cause him to fall now. We don't know what's going to happen at Arizona. They might be the team to take him, and they would be a very smart team to do that. But I do think it's realistic that Farley does end up uh, being available at 21, and if he is, we take him easily, no doubt about it. So the the cool thing about Farley to me, I mean, he's my corner three. Um, I mean, if you would have told me a month or two ago that we were considering him in a realistic mindset at 21 I would have said you were crazy um there there was a time where just off his tape from two years ago like he was he's cornerback one talent wise sometimes but he's so good like he's a guy that he's a 21 I would take for sure um and for a while I've been pretty high on Greg Newsom I'm really glad that a lot of draft Twitter has come around on him a little bit um because when I used to say that I'd, I'd take him at 21 people used to say I was crazy 
Um, now I think everyone just fully understands he's probably not going to be there at 21 because it sounds a lot like Caleb Farr is going to end up being the fourth corner off the board, um, which just sounds like a Chris Ballard type of steal there um, yes. where a guy's fallen for non-talent issues and then Chris Ballard's going to make him find a way. I would love – if you guys have listened to me and Michael on anything we've ever done together – we both want that other corner. I mean, obviously there are some other needs that may get filled first in the draft and some people would not be excited about getting a corner, but man, I would be, I would be giddy. ecstatic. I, I would be giddy else. over getting Caleb party, man. I, Caleb Farley, I would be all over them, over the moon excited. Something about corners and linebackers, man. I just, ugh, I just get so excited over them. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to do it for, for that segment. Now, getting into the next one, giving our top three options if the Colts trade into the late first round, you know, and possibly with New Orleans, Green Bay. I do think Green Bay is a possible favorite uh, to, to possibly trade back with, Cleveland possibly. So I guess when we trade into the late back, I'm guessing we're talking 27 to 32, I guess you could you could say. So let's go ahead and start it off, Destin. Who I already said Dylan Raddins. Um, that's a guy that I, I think would be better off in the trade back area, but I used him at 21 because I like him that much. Um, this other guy that I'm going to say you will still not like because you'll say it should be a second round, um, Joe Tryon. Um, he's a guy yeah. He's a guy at edge that I think is just – he's just stellar. Uh, he's my edge four in this class personally. Um, I think he'd be there. I think late first, early second is when he's going to end up hearing his name called just because of how many teams across the league have some edge – needs um, and the late round the late end of the first you're going to usually see guys go a little bit higher than what people expect just because the high end the, there's just not that many first round grades usually um, I mean personally for me I had I think I had 20 this year um, so I mean just looking at that there's 12 other guys that are going to have to go first round um, that are not going to be first round grades that's just how it works that's why I think trading back is always better because I think you get better value and I think a guy like Joe Tryon is going to be able to come in day one and start um, at edge rusher I think he has the traits I think he's shown that he can rush standing and with his hand in the turf um, and he's a guy he's a freak athlete he like he, that's not that is going to translate um, and getting in the room, being able to learn how to actually use pass rush moves. I think he did a good job in college um, at winning with pass rush moves, but very few college guys have to rely on that in college, especially when he's, when he was in the pac 12. And I mean, we've talked about it. That, that's one of your cons against him is that he wasn't playing many actually NFL caliber tackles. Um, so he didn't really have to use pass rush moves much, but I think he showed enough on tape for me to think he can come in and start day one. So here's my thing about opt-out guys. Uh, it's been about roughly two years since we last see them play competitive football. So where are they Where are they at in terms of football shape? Uh, you got to update your resume. You got to update your film in the game of football. I don't care if it's in college or the NFL. You got to update it. Here's my thing with Joe Tryon. I agree with everything you just said, Destin. Day one, I think he'll be able to help in the run game. He has great strength to set the edge. The athleticism clearly pops off. But my only question, if we took him, I would not be mad. But I would just go into the season with questions. That's the only thing. Because, like you said, in the Pac-12, when I'm watching him, yeah, he's winning. He's winning these matchups. He's even winning double teams. That's a great thing to see. That's why I'm high on him. But my thing is, 
I go back and, you know, study these left tackles he's gone against, and they're not good. From Oregon State, from, hell, uh, not not USC, because obviously they had Tucker, but from other programs, I just didn't see that matchup. He never got to go up against Sewell. He didn't get to go up against Oliveira Tucker because of the opt-out. So we kind of missed out on him updating his resume. That's my only thing with Tryon. I want to see, when I watched him, he didn't face someone that made him dig deep as a football player. He didn't face anyone that made him dig deep, find those pass rusher moves, have to backtrack, second guess, reset. I didn't see enough in that department, but the strength, the athleticism, hand usage, it's all there. I like it. So if we took Tryon, I'd be happy. I would just go into the season with more questions than you would have. So that's my thing. And I actually just realized we've actually had this conversation the last two weeks, but this is the first time we're having it on an actual live show. So I'm actually excited about that. People are learning about Joe Tryon. And I do think if he got drafted in the late first round, I wouldn't be mad at it because of those traits that are there. Uh, the the other edge rusher, Ronnie Perkins, I'm, I, I really don't understand the, the hype on him. I watched, I'm a fan of a team in the Big 12, and the Colts, or the Colts, the Horned Frogs had a pathetic offensive line this year. Ronnie Perkins did not dominate that offensive line. That's just, he, he didn't. He got held up by a redshirt freshman right tackle in Andrew Coker. And that's a guy that's supposed to go in the first or second round. Come on now. I mean, I just didn't, even in the game, uh, what was their bowl game this against Florida? I didn't see anything. I didn't see any separation that he created, penetrating, collapsing the line. I didn't see any of that. So uh, getting on to, obviously, we just talk and draft. I love it. But getting into my guy, I said him earlier, Alex Leatherwood is a guy that I would target uh, in the late first round. I think he's going up against those SEC bodies. He obviously has the strength. Athleticism is very good. Hand, power, that punch, just I love it. I would go with Alex Leatherwood. I think he would be a great fit next to Quentin Nelson. They both love Tamal guys. So, hey, I mean, he blocked for Najee Harris. Now he gets to block for Jonathan Taylor, hopefully. Yeah, the next person that I would say if we traded back to the latter half of the first round, I'm going to say a guy that I feel like Michael will be surprised because I think Michael thinks I hate this guy just because I had some guys over him, but I'm going to say Terrence Marshall um, receiver out of LSU. I think he would be a really great fit opposite of Michael Pittman. Um, I have him as my receiver six. Currently Um, I have him. You ruined it. It's only one. It's only one behind what you have him. Um, but um, I have him behind Elijah Moore. I mean, you you knew who it was going to be. Um, I, I'm I'm just big on Elijah Moore personally. But I don't think for the Colts, I don't think they want to go for a gadget type slot receiver type. I think they want to grab a guy that's going to be on the outside if they had to go receiver, um, just because they didn't like the value at edge or tackle at the end of the first then I think a guy like Terrence Marshall could make a lot of sense. I think he has a lot of talent. I think he's a guy that can come in and produce right away. I mean, hey, if you want him to help Carson Wentz succeed, just keep giving him more weapons. I'm actually going to go with the same guy, Terrence Marshall Jr. Uh, Look, I think everybody remembers from the previous show that we kept going back and forth on Marshall and more. And look, Elijah Moore is actually my 
wide receiver number six behind hey, Terrence Marshall. You have come a long way on Elijah Moore. I want, I want, yes. I want. I, you have come a long way from yes, fucking mad absolutely. crap. I don't remember where you had him a couple of months ago. I, I, maybe like receiver eight is where you had him. Um, I maybe, think like maybe a little ten or something. Say, man, like maybe a little bit lower. You, you, you yeah. come around a little bit. I, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Studying him more and more. I mean, you just learn and you learn what this player is. His pro day numbers were nice, and I, I, but. Terrace Marshall Jr. is just a mismatch guy. Working out of the slot, Michael Pittman can work more out of outside. T.Y. can work more outside or vice versa. Marshall and Hilton swap. Uh, I do think you might want to add some insurance because you don't know about uh, Campbell. Pascal's back on a one-year deal. And behind him, you have T.Y. Hilton on a one-year deal. And then Michael Pittman on a rookie deal. Paris Campbell's still on his rookie deal. And then who else is behind them? Desmond Patman? We don't know what he is yet. So I would really love the idea of adding Terrace Marshall Jr. I think the mismatch, the aggressiveness, that dog in him, he's not going to back down from Jalen Ramsey or J.C. Horn if they happen to meet up. He's a guy that's going to go head on, especially if a guy is trying to talk trash to him. (laughs) I would love to see that interaction with him. So surprisingly, me and Destin were – we're agreeing on some things that, that obviously was not the case in the last two months. And I'm going to go on record again. I never said that I was anti Terrence Marshall. Michael just usually takes it as if I have one person over him that he doesn't agree with. I hate him. I think, the, I think he's trash. I Destin, think, I, you I had think, him as a fourth round grade. Stop it. Fourth round. I think, well, I think I had him at receiver seven. I think, I, I think the only person he's jumped for me is Tony. Um, but so I had I had two people you didn't like over. Everyone, I, I, I'm me. the worst. I'm the worst. But so the net, the last person I'll say, um, if we're gonna trade back into the end of round one, man, it's tough just because I really do not like the value in round one. I, I'm I'm big on day two talent in this draft. I like I like the top fifteen guys in the first round, and then I like a lot of day two guys in this draft. Um, but if we're going to trade back in into round one, um, I'll say I'll go Joseph Asai. Um, he's another edge rusher that I like. Um, he 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 he's edge five um, for me. Right right oh. after right after Tryon. Um, if we're going to trade back at the end of round one, I mean, if it's not going to be a guy that I think is worth a first round pick. I mean, I have a second round grade on a side. Um, I have a second round grade on Tryon, like I said earlier too, but I just think he's that type of talent that if you're going to reach, at least make it for a guy that you see has ability to play day one, because if you're taking a guy in round one, unless it's a quarterback, I do not think you should be risking it on a guy that cannot produce for you right away. Um, I think just as I could do that. I think he can come right in. Um, I like his bend a lot better than I think people were giving him credit for. Um, I think he has really good bend on the outside. I think he has a really good combo yes. um, of athleticism and strength. Um, I think he's a guy that a team will be able to use right away. So if we traded back to like 30 um, and we had to take him about 10 picks higher than what I probably think he should go, I, that's not terrible value to me. Absolutely. Uh, the pick just shocked me in, in my opinion. I was not expecting you to say, oh, Cy. we've had our conversations about edge rushers. You have not been high or, I mean, not you haven't been high. You haven't spoken much on Osai. Let me say that. Uh, I might surprise some people with this pick. But I would take Zayvon Collins. I would take him. I mean, you you grab a guy 
who is a Ballard type player. Ballard loves those long armed athletic freaks at linebacker. Okay. You're losing Anthony Walker. Now, what are you going to do? You add a guy in Zayvon Collins, put him at the Sam where I think he fits best. And now guess what? Your running game got stronger. The middle of your defense got stronger in both run and pass defense. And he can also rush the passer. This is a Ballard move to me. This is a Ballard move. If, if, if you don't like the value of left tackle or an edge rusher, and you want to go with Collins, all you're doing is just strengthening your defense. And I don't see a problem with that. If anyone wanted to argue that with me, I would simply just say, you're making your defense better. That, that, that's the bottom line to me. And I love everything about Collins. Uh, that's why I kind of, in these past mock drafts, I've taken him a little bit higher, but I do think there's a real chance that he does fall. And Colin, if he, I'll tell you guys what, if he comes to the Colts, I will be the happiest man alive. I will, because all I know is that running backs are getting shut down. Tight ends are not going anywhere. That's, that's all I know. Long arms, athletic freaks at the linebacker position, easily, easily the best linebacking core in the last, what, 20 years maybe? In the last 20 years, I will go there because I think Collins' ceiling is that high. See, the value of him at late first is not that bad, like honestly. Like I, I wouldn't hate value-wise – but I would – man, I would have a hard time getting my mind around. If I saw a position drafted that wasn't edge, tackle, corner, or receiver in round one, I would be genuinely shocked. Uh, I mean, I understand that you can't let draft needs dictate your draft too much um, because that's what bad GMs do. They, they go need first, and that's how you get the crazy reaches. Um, so I understand you can't do that, but man, when, when you have so many options to choose out of, like, it, I just can't imagine there's not going to be, I mean, looking at even at, let's say we traded back to like 30, I would love, like, if we could walk away with one of the five best corners, one of the five, let's say five best edges, one of the best six receivers, like there's just going to, there's going to be one of those guys, like just math. Like you just have to like add that up. Like there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the top 15. That's going to happen this year. Like that's a lock. So then you look at that and there's gotta be some of these guys that are going to be there in the end of round one that fit those positional needs. And I just can't justify taking Zayvon Collins, but that's the case. I mean, I'd rather take the Joker from Notre Dame, JOK, just because I feel like he can play multiple different spots to fill needs for over a guy like Collins. I think he'll be off the board before Collins. Oh, I agree. He plays those different things. And that's why, that's why I like Collins better for the Colts than JOK, because for the Colts, you have one job, be the Sam for the Colts for, for JOK. He would fit right in as well. He could play that third safety if we wanted to when we went to nickel. He could do certain things. But here's but here's my thing. When you look at all the guys, take Joseph aside, take Zayvon Collins, take a Greg Newsome, t- take Dylan Raddins, whose ceiling is higher? In my opinion, I really think it's close, but on this team, 
I truly think the true difference maker is Zayvon Collins because of what he adds to the defense. And I've, I, I said it last year. I am so sick and tired of a average defense. I'm tired of it. And here's also the thing, Destin. And th- this is the case for every fan, every team, every draft guru. We don't know what that draft board looks like in Indy. We don't know. So can you imagine if Ballard did take that and he came out and said, Zayvon Collins was always the guy for me. I wanted him from day one. What would you say? I mean, that, but that even even Chris Bauer, who's a very candid guy, that's just how they roll. I mean, he, he basically yeah. tried to say that when he traded back that he was going to take – um, Rocky Asin before trading back with the Washington football team that year. Like you, you have to take that kind of stuff with grains of salt because I mean, they're never going to be a hundred percent honest. Cause that, that would just be dumb. Now my rebuttal to you about taking a linebacker that early. Mm-hmm. If you look at the success that Ballard has had drafting linebackers late day two and day three, well, I just could not imagine him taking one day one because he hits on linebackers left and right on those later round yep. day, late day two, early day yep. three is where he, he likes to make the money there. Like it just doesn't seem like he drafts a linebacker that doesn't produce. Um, I mean, you could make the argument, I guess Basham was technically playing linebacker, but he, he was an edge guy, which is why he ended up getting moved out because he just wasn't really the best fit here. But I just don't see that. And I mean, I mean, you've talked about it. Like I, I would like EJ speed to get a chance. Um, that's why I think if we uh, draft yes. a linebacker, I think it'll be a guy that can play special teams, um, which would be a lot of day three. There's a lot, there's a lot of good athletes um, at the linebacker and safety spots that people aren't giving credit for. That Garrett I think are Wallow, be, Josh Ross. There, there, there's a couple of them I like. Hey, I released my big board today, and I thought Garrett Wallow was – I had him higher than a lot of other people. I, I was waiting on you to give me props for it. But oh, I, I, actually I actually didn't see it. When you had Richie Grant ahead of Maury, I, I, I shut out. I, I just – See, Put it away. see what I like, like I said, everybody. I have one person over someone he likes, and I think he's trash. I think he's awful. I had Richie Grant over Merrick by what four spots? But Merrick you had Richie Grant two. at twenty-one, Dustin. And, and that I, is high, but with a second-round grade because I only have twenty first-round grades. Is, oh, is he? Is no. he? Is that's the truth? But. I like Richie Grant, man. I do. I mean, this is getting a little bit off topic of Colts draft, but Richie Grant, I just don't think he has any holes in his game. Like, do I think he's stellar anywhere? Really? No. That's where I told you. Like, I was talking. We were talking earlier. I think Merrick has places where his game. He has parts of his game that are excellent that he's going to be able to translate at the next level. So I could, I would, I could see some teams having him at safety one. But, man, when you go across Richie Grant's game, he can do anything you want him to at safety. He can play both places at safety. He can slide and play the box if you need him to. He's, I think whoever gets Grant, a defensive coordinator is going to love playing him, and offensive coordinators are going to hate game planning for him. When it comes to these two safeties, I really just think it's about what the position of need is. I truly think because take, like, take uh, what the Ravens. They could take Richie Grant over Merrick because they like to have that other safety down in the box. They like to do those other things where they want him down in the box. That's the thing. But my perfect place for Merrick to end up in is Washington because he can be that defender in the middle of the field covering both sides while Landon Collins is down in the box. I think that is the perfect spot for him because of what Landon Collins helps you do 
And obviously, as a rookie, it would be a big assignment. But Trayvon Merrick, <laughs> he played under Gary Patterson in a very complicated scheme. And in the Big 12, where they say they don't play defense, obviously, he was playing a lot of offense, and he didn't allow too much. So I wouldn't have too much. Now, obviously, these NFL schemes and everything is much different. But, <sighs> but, he, but, but he, he's your boy. I get it. Um, and he's my, he's my safety too. It's not that far off. I understand that you see one guy above him and you think I hate, I hate him. And he's the worst thing since Philip Dorsett. Um, but like, that's, that's not the case. Like, like I, I, I like his game. He'll I could see him yes. getting drafted round one, just cause like I said yes. earlier, I don't have that many round one grades. Um, yeah. so the people are going to get filled in, in that latter half. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm just, I, I, even more than ever and some fans will hate it i am just all for trading out of round one altogether i mean it would have to take a really big haul because someone in the second round is gonna have to trade up you're talking about a second round pick a third round pick and possibly a second round pick next year because of how far you're going up so think about this way this is my favorite approach to it for the second round let's say i mean pictures came out today of the Bengals. um getting their new jerseys and you could see the scar that Joe Burrow had from his injury last year. If I am running the Bengals, I understand that Jamar Chase is great. I understand how great he is. I am looking at that picture. I'm framing it. I'm putting it on my fridge every day to remind me why I have to take Penny Sewell. So I take Penny Sewell and then you make the draft, the draft decision to trade up with the Colts and you still get Joe Burrow, one of his LSU guys, and you go and get him Terrence Marshall. That's that. That's a, that's something that I think would be really fun if the Bengals were able to do. The Colts could trade back. Um, I think for the team in the he, they're in the top of the second round, so I I would like a second, a third, and then either a future second or third to make it work. Um, I, I would probably a future second um, just to be able to like cancel out that that trade with the. Eagles Eagles per, for Carson Wentz basically I, I think that so, would be the best route um that, that that's my that's me so here's my thing I've said it a couple of times when we're trading out I want all of the draft capital for 2022 so we can trade up and get Derek Stingley that's my thing I'm already looking ahead I already see he's a beautiful fit in Indy but we kind of got a little bit off track but getting back to our previous discussion about the linebackers Here's my thing about Garrett Wallow. Sometimes he can get lost in pass coverage. I'll be honest, he can. But the athleticism that he has allows him to catch up. The nose for the football is there in the run game. I mean, go look at his stats. He had he was making tackle after tackle, play after play. He was doing it. Obviously, my boy D. Winters is going to be a really good linebacker for the Horn Frogs and it might be a really good prospect. But I would love Garrett Wallow, not just because he's a TCU Horn Frog, but because he's the leader that Ballard would like. He's a guy that has good-sized arms. He has good athleticism, and he can just read a play in the run game. And in a division where you're playing James Robinson and Derrick Henry, I do think you need a little bit more depth in the run game at linebacker. I love Franklin and Adams, but I really just think they're special teamers at this point. So I, I really do think that's uh, that's what I just think it, it'll be for that one. So getting into the um, getting into the next 
topic of discussion here, guys. Now we're going to talk about guys that we would like to have if we traded completely out of the first round and into the second round. So, Destin, once again, I am going to start you off. You don't have to name where you'll trade, who you'll trade with, but just if you trade out, who are you targeting? Who, if we if we're able to trade out of round one, which is my dream, I hope that gets to happen. I mean, the top two guys I've already said that I think could possibly be there, um, but I'm also willing to take in round one are Dylan Raddins and Joe Tryon. I've already said their names, but those are the guys that I would aggressively target if we're trading out of round one entirely um if i'm gonna go a guy that i haven't said yet um we haven't talked about this person yet i'll say i mean round two is where i would target a guy like samuel cosby um personally i think he athletically he he tested almost the best out of the tackle class really i mean there was a few guys that had tens um on if you guys follow math bomb on twitter the ras systems if you if you follow those at all i mean he he tested out as a 9.99 i believe um ridiculous athlete um we had a few 10 um guys get tens at the position but they were unofficial because they didn't either complete a certain event or didn't have enough body of work for the size metrics but He's a freak athlete and a guy that you put him in right away, he's going to play well. Um, I've heard there are some other off-the-field stuff that are kind of holding him back a little bit from being around one guy. Um, but, hey, Ballard has never been shy at giving guys second chances and hoping that this locker room can fix any off-the-field issues. On Cosme, uh, I, I just don't know. I saw him in the Big 12 sometimes in the run game. He can be a, a good blocker, but in past game, I just feel like he gets beat a little too often by guys you probably don't even know. So the number one guy I'm going to target in the second round is Carlos Basham, edge rusher from Wake Forest. I think he is a guy, I honestly would say he's my guy. He's probably my favorite edge rusher out of this class, obviously outside of Pay Phillips and all those guys. I just like his game. The motor that he has is unstoppable. Uh, Ballard loves that. The arm length, solid. Hands, solid. The hand usage as a defensive lineman is so important. It is so important. You can punch. You can rip. You can do all that stuff. And he does all of that. He can help out in the run game. And my biggest thing, and this is why I pushed Basham possibly ahead of Tryon, is because he had film from 2020 to grade on. He got better. Out of his career, I believe he had 35 tackles for loss and 20 sacks. That is great, especially if you're getting those tackles for loss. That's what I'm looking at more so than the sacks. That tells me he's disrupting plays, getting into the quarterback's face, and just being a playmaker all around. That, Carlos Basham is the guy for me. I do believe there's a real debate in my head between Tryon, Basham, and Osai, because I like all three of those. And like you said earlier, you you said Osai. It's really a toss-up for those guys. But if I had to go with one guy, it would be Carlos Basham. The next guy is going to be a corner for me, um, just because that's another position that I think is a bigger need than people are giving it credit for for the Colts. But Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State, he he's my corner five. Um, so that that right after those first four that I think are pretty locked in place for just about everybody at this point. Um, Asante Samuel's my five. I have, a, I have a guy who's close at six, 
Um, but I, I think Asante Samuel is a guy that I think could come in and be, I think he has that swagger to his game. And he has that a little bit of aggressiveness that Eberflus likes you to have. Um, I think he'd be a great guy to battle it out with Brock for the other side there for the outside. And it, whatever we do draft wise, I want to get a guy for the outside. Um, I think that's where we need the depth. I know we have Marvell tell coming back. Um, but I, I, that's, I think with getting carry back this past week, the priority needs to be adding an outside corner piece. And I think Asante Samuel would be a nice guy to grab, especially early second. I feel like if it wasn't Farley, I would probably target a corner in the third or fourth round, like Paulson Adebo, Keith Taylor Jr. Those two guys are, I was high on Adebo last year, but then he opted out of the draft and then he came back and opted out of the senior year, which was odd to me. But again, I mean, it was COVID, so much uncertainty. I'm not going to question these guys' uh, thoughts, but I am um, with this other one, man, this, this one is hard, but this is where I would target Dylan Raddins, a guy that I think you get tremendous value for in the second round. I think he possibly maybe has the highest ceiling out of who you're possibly thinking of at that conversation, wherever you trade back into the second round, I would go with Dylan Raddins for all the reasons we discussed previously. And I think he would be a solid fit, great value in the second round. I'm going to go a guy that this would be if we traded a little bit deeper into round two than people would like, um, or maybe even if this was at pick 54. Um, If we waited on tackle until 54 or around there for when we trade back, a tackle that I think people should just be looking out for, because I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think, um, is Brady Christensen out of BYU. Um, I I like his game. I I think he showed that he – has the power and he has the athletic ability to be successful in the pass and the run game. Um, so I'm super excited to see where he ends up going. Um, I, th- I think him next to Quentin Nelson would be nasty. I think their play styles would match each other really well. Um, I know a lot of people don't think he's going to get drafted till about round four, but I, I t- I'm telling you, I-, I really do not see a way he leaves the third round. And I, I no, really he's think getting he- drafted before. And I, and I think he's going to go in round two. Yeah, he's he's talented. He was literally an All-American, first-team All-American. I don't see how that goes to the fourth round. That that's crazy to me. And I, not just even looking at the awards, you go back and watch the tape, and he just mauled guys. He protected Wilson's blind side, and he just did all that great stuff for the Cougars. So, another guy that I'm looking at. Oh man, this one is really tough. Since you already said Christensen, I'm going to go another guy just to make it interesting. Since this is our last one. Oh, man, if we're looking at number 54, I would look at Brevin Jordan. I would look at him. Uh, Position of need, explosive tight end, guy that can block, route run, good speed, good hands, all that stuff. I mean, that's just – that's where I am at. Uh, I like his fit in the – you know, I mean, you would like that at the tight end position anyway. For Jordan, I think he would be a tremendous fit coming out of Miami. And, hey – We drafted one great Miami Hurricane before. Who's to say that Brevin Jordan could follow into Reggie Wayne's footsteps as a Hurricane becoming a Colt? Who knows? But that is going to do it for that part. Now, moving into our last segment of the show, guys, we are going to get into guys that we are out on. We're going to save the guys that we're in on, you know, create a little bit of suspense for the next show. But we're going to talk about guys that we are out on. 
So, you know, we're looking at, you know, tackle, edge, wide receiver, corner, tight end, those positions, guys, that we are out on. Okay, so let's go offensive tackle. Destin. So I think this is a guy that you were out on before me for sure. Um, but that's mine's going to be Jalen May- Mayfield. Um, I think um, I waited a little bit longer to be out on him just because I felt like his tape – showed that he was going to be a little bit better of an athlete. I was expecting a much better pro day performance than what we got out of him. Um, and then there's some concerns coming out that he isn't the bet. He isn't the hardest practice guy. Um, I, I don't want that at tackle, especially at left tackle for the future. Um, so I'm all the way out on Jalen Mayfield. I have a late third round grade on him. Um, and I honestly just don't want to see him in the horseshoe at all. Yeah, Jalen Mayfield is the pick for me. Uh, No arguing there, and I think we will agree on that. So the next conversation is wide receiver. Oh, a receiver that I'm all the way out on. Um, Let me say... I'm going to go Tylon Wallace out of Oklahoma state. Um, I wasn't high on him ever. I mean, a lot of people gave me crap because I remember when I released my first top 10 at receiver, um, he wasn't in it. Um, and he was in just about everybody's at that point. But when I was watching his tape, I mean, he was a slot guy, but he didn't have that elite speed to create separation. I didn't see much separation, even in the big 12 from him. Most of his stuff came really if, he just found a way to get open on a a long streak route, but I just didn't see a a good enough wheel tree to you to have to value him. And then the more I watched him and then he goes out and just doesn't test well on his pro day. Um, I just don't see a reason for the Colts to take a slot guy in general. Um, But if, if we're going to go slot guy, it needs to be a guy that is athletically gifted and that's not him. So I'm going to go a guy, not because, I dislike him, which I don't, not because I'm not high on him, but I just don't get the reason to have him on the team, especially a guy of his prototype. But I am going to say Cardarius Tony because I just think that we don't need a small guy. We have Campbell. We have DeMichael Harris, who possibly even has the same speed, if not faster than Cardarius Tony. He can grow. He can be a better wide receiver, and he's still extremely new to the position. Being at Southern Miss, he was a running back and then transferred to wide receiver, literally for like one year. So he's still new. I want to work on Harris. That's why I kind of like Marshall, a big body type, because now you're competing with Pascal Pittman. With Hilton spot is unquestioned, but when you start messing with Patman, Michael, you know all those guys, those young guys that are trying to develop. That's where I kind of dislike it. So I'm out on Tony only because I feel like we have guys in place to fulfill the role that he could potentially have on the team. So next up is going to be edge rusher. Uh, I want to start Destin. I want to start this one. This is a guy that I actually kind of defended a little bit. Now he embarrassed me. I'll say, I think you should say more than defended. I, I would yeah. say you were pounding the table for him. Yes, 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 I was. He uh, made me out to look like a fool. Uh, he embarrassed me. And now we're going to have to throw hands uh, here pretty soon, which I'll probably lose, but I just got to stand up for my dignity now. So I am all the way out on Gregory Russo. 
look, watching his tape, I thought it was solid. I thought there could be more work. I was really hoping for a good broad jump, a good vertical. But my gosh, Destin, that was one of the worst broad jumps and verticals that I've seen from a defensive lineman his size. I I mean, he's, he got, what, a 30-inch vertical? Joseph Asai, a guy much smaller than him, got a 41-inch vertical. That is bad. And Gregory Rousseau has, what, 34, 35 arms? That is horrible. Now, so, his, his tape made you made it like i was not shocked I, I was expecting him not to test well because you did not see explosion on tape i mean he he's a strong guy um super long and he he used those really well to his skill set but you just didn't see that explosion off the line now there's there's bad pro days and there's greg what gregory Rousseau, Rousseau put up man he he was terrible i mean i'd have to look up the numbers but i know his cone drill was awful his three cone was yes. terrible his vertical was basically nothing when you look at his arm length um it was pretty bad i mean he he opted out of the last season after he put up those crazy numbers he did two years ago he probably should have opted out of his pro day um because he probably <laughs> like he, he there was guys who wanted to take him round one there were teams that were there were pushing that narrative that Gregory Rousseau was going to be that second to fifth, fourth, second to fourth guy pass rusher. wise. There was a time that he was the first edge rusher. There was a time that he was the first edge rusher and I defended him because I knew that he was incredibly raw to the position. So maybe he didn't know how to use that athleticism. Maybe he didn't know how to convert it into playing the defensive end position. Because remember, he was a wide receiver in high school. He was he just played defensive end at Miami. So I was giving him some slack. But what turned me off the most was that you put up a great, phenomenal freshman season. But then you opt out. When you're new at the position and you're trying to be great and get ready for the NFL, why would you opt out and getting away from physical football? Because you're not going to get better going up against a freaking pad that you would with your friend in the backyard. You got to go up against athletes. You got to go up against real players. He didn't do that. I don't believe he practiced with the team. He didn't do any of that. So my question was, How is he going to come into the pro day? And his pro day showed me that he didn't work any. He didn't attempt to get better. He didn't attempt to work on anything. And I mean, people say, and you and I even had this conversation with Rashad that athleticism is something you either do or don't have. I don't believe that because in high school, I saw guys get better at their broad jump, get better at their vertical because they were working, trimming down weight, working on, you know, freaking powerful squats explosion squats all that stuff there's a way to work on it but it is true athleticism is natural but there are ways you can get better at it i didn't see anything i didn't see commitment from gregory rousseau those pro day numbers showed me there was no commitment to it and i'm still just flabbergasted at the fact that he opted out after only having one season of defensive end play that that was my thing to me and like I said, the reasoning is he had a good enough reason to do it just because of COVID and everything like that. So that, that was enough of a reason if that was his reason as well. But when he put up those crazy stats, I mean, there was nowhere for his stock to go but up, but down um, season-wise because he wasn't going to replicate those stats. I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to. 
I'm not going to use him as the guy I'm out on just because I've not, I've not been in on him really. Um, He was just never a guy because of his lack of explosion on tape that I thought was an indie fit. Um, I'm going to go a guy that Twitter and draft Twitter loves right now. And that's Rashad Weaver um, out of Pittsburgh. I don't understand the hype he's getting right now, just because from what I've seen on tape, I mean, he gets pushed off his snap from the initial block almost always. Um, It just felt like he was getting manhandled. Now he was coming back from an injury. um, So I understand like that could have affected some things, but just off of tape, like I just don't see somebody that I want to add to my defensive line personally. Um, Definitely not in the top two rounds. Like some people are trying to push him into. Um, I, I, I just don't want to see Rashad Weaver in a Colts uniform. Yeah, that that's actually a good one. Another one is like like I said earlier, Ronnie Perkins, Peyton Turner. I don't Peyton Turner. Don't get, don't don't disrespect Peyton Turner. Peyton, Peyton he, Turner, Peyton Turner is 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 going to be a good pro. Uh, I I bet he's going to end up going round two. But here's my thing: what's his ceiling? I don't think his ceiling is high. I don't. I don't see a high ceiling. I mean, it's hard to tell just because. I, I think he has a lot of molding that you can still do with his game. Um, and it, it goes, it's all about what defensive coach gets a hold of him. Um, because I just think there's, there's a lot of these guys that lack the legit pass rush moves um, to the point that when you add that to them, like they, they could become a whole entire different player. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, hey, maybe I will come around on Peyton Turner, but we're a little bit of nine days away from the draft, so I highly doubt it. But another guy to get into for the cornerback prospect of things. And I'll tell you what, man, there's not too many corners that I'm out on. I I will say that there's not too many of them that I'm out on. Uh, There's some that I like. There's some that I think could possibly fit. But one guy I'm going to say I'm out on is Tyson Campbell. I think he's more of a press guy. Uh, we don't do too much press. Matty Rufus likes to do a lot of zone. So I feel like if he was playing majority of zone snaps, he would get beat a lot. And if we're going to draft him second round and not play him that much, only in man-to-man, then you really just wasted a second-round pick. Uh, so that's a guy. I mean, he's still solid, a, still a solid prospect, but I don't think the fit. Our scheme doesn't equal to his strength. So you stole mine. I mean, Tyson Campbell is who I was going to say. I'll, I'll go to my backup and I'll say Elijah Molden. Um, I think he's a guy that's probably going to end up playing safety in the NFL. I just don't think his instincts as a legit coverage corner is going to work out. I mean, I don't even think he's going to be able to play nickel personally. Um, like that, that, that's probably where he has to play cornerback wise, but I think he's going to have to make a transition to safety in the future. Um, I, I'm all the way out on him. People that have him in their top 10 corners, I'm shocked that that's still a thing personally. I just don't see it. Well, I think he's the best nickel in the draft. Uh, is he though? I don't know. I, I really like Kerry Vincent Jr., man. I really do. He's my he's my cup of tea, man. He's I physical. like him. I I like Vincent, but but like I mean, Aaron Robinson, he he can play the outside and inside. And I think he's mostly outside in the NFL. Well, I mean, we'll see where he ends up playing, I guess. But I think that's who I'd put as my number one inside guy currently. Um, but I understand that there's this is not a good nickel class. First of all. Um, it's just not. So, I mean, Elijah Molden's going to be up there in there, but I, I just really don't think he's going to be able to play nickel in the NFL personally. 
All right, for so for our last position, the tight end group. Uh, and this is one that uh, I don't know, but might surprise some people with this uh, selection. So I'm going to go with Hunter Long. Uh, I, I don't think he's the type of tight end that the Colts are looking for. If tight end was just a regular need and the Colts didn't put on a specific prototype uh, of a tight end they want, then I think he would be a good guy. But they want explosion and they want a, just a playmaker at tight end. And I don't know if Hunter Long is that. That's why I like Jordan, Tremble, Yaboa. Uh, McKitty. I mean, I, I like some of these guys that are much more athletic th- than him, and I think they're solid pass catchers. So Hunter Long, not because he's bad or anything, but but I just don't think that you know the Colts are you know looking his way. Um, I don't know. If I'm, I don't know if I would say I'm 100 percent out on this guy, um, but I'm definitely lower on him than 90 percent of t- draft people right now, and that's Pat Fryermoth. Um, out of Penn State. I mean, he's my tight end four. Um, I just don't see as much upside there um, as I see with Brevin Jordan, Tommy Tremble. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is in a category of his own, so we don't have to include him. But I just don't see the same upside with him that I see with Tremble and Jordan. Um, He may have a higher floor than a Tommy Tremble, um, but I, I just don't see the point of Pat Fryermuth going in round two, like a lot of people have him going. Um, I, I just don't see it. I, I would take Jordan and Tremble over him personally. I have him as my tight end four. Um, Hunter Long, the reason that I would lean more towards Hunter Long than him is just because I think you get better value later. Um, I think you can grab him later. I mean, Kenny, Kenny Aboa, like, I know you're a big guy for him. Um, I, I'd rather get him later um, than get Pat personally. Like, I, I just don't see the value with him. Here's the thing about the tight end, dude. I really think that these tight ends are going to slip in the draft because you look at last year's draft. I mean, there were so many guys that I thought were going to go high, but Adam Trotman fell. Hunter Bryant, I don't even think, got drafted. And he was an explosive tight end. Explosive, and I don't even think he got drafted. Tight ends, for some reason, are falling. Now, like you said, Kyle Pitts, he's not going to fall. He's going to be a top-four pick in the draft, in my opinion. Um, but when it comes to tight ends, I do think it's serious that Kenny Yaboa will be there in the fourth round. Trey McKitty will be there possibly in the fifth round. Brevin Jordan will be there at the end of the second round because of, I don't know what it is. Are teams just not valuing the tight end position these days? I, I don't know. I seriously think last year's tight end class was strong. Adam Trotman, Hunter Bryant. I mean, some of these guys, even Cole Komet. But um, you know who I bet is going to be a good value tight end for the Colts? Who? Mo Alley Cox. I mean, that, that's that guy right there on the Colton. Mm, good value there. Um, so make sure you guys flood the comments um, with asking why, Michael? Why do you hate Mo Alley Cox? Why? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Um, I remember him telling us before the offseason started that there was no way Mo Alley Cox was going to be back in a Colts uniform, even. Look, man, he nearly wasn't, but we was had he? no one else. Was he? We had was no he one else. Wasn't, I we mean... had no one else, so we had to go with him. Just like we didn't have anyone else at corner, we had to go get Xavier Rhodes back. All right, look, man, I would take Jordan, Yaboa, 
McKitty, I would take all three of those guys over Moali Cox right now. And look, Moali Cox is not bad, but I just don't think he's our tight end one. Hey, you have said so hard. No, you've said that you don't think he should be a tight end two in the NFL. I don't recall. Oh, you don't recall? I'll find messages. I, I will. I'll go. Slu- I'll, I'll go sleuth mode, listeners. I really will. We'll bring it just up. Just go and just go and pass episodes and take that audio clip. But uh, oh, I just oh, when it comes to tight end, I do think Molly Cox would be in. Honestly, I think I take Molly Cox over Jack Doyle. So hey, I said something nice about him. So get off my ass. Or you but, said uh, something. Or you said something mean about Jack Doyle. I can't tell which it is yet. Equally. Look, man, I said something that benefits Moali Cox. Okay. You don't have to you know, jump down my throat, try and get on me about this. But when it comes to the tight end position, man, I just want, I feel like I want Kenny Yaboa more because he's like a Kyle Pitts mold, the receiving type tight end, the long arms, the speed. I just love it all with Yaboa. Bring me more Yaboa. I want to see Yaboa in a Colts uniform. That's what I want to see. Uh, also, shout out to TCU Titans Pro Wells, Artavius Lynn. I got love for you, my guys. Uh, TCU didn't target TCU's or tight ends at all in their system. That's why they don't get tight end recruits. But I will say, Artavius Lynn, and I'm actually putting my scouting cap on, not my TCU hat on. Artavius Lynn is interesting, not Pro Wells, because I don't think the Colts are. He, he's I don't think he's athletic enough. But Artavius Lynn, he was a former wide receiver at Dallas Skyline High School. So obviously, you know, from being from Texas, I, I remember him. I know a little bit about him. Came to TCU, transformed to the tight end position because he was had a bigger stature than most of the receivers there. So TCU actually started using tight ends this year. And when they got the ball to Artavius Lynn, he was the, the offense was moving. You saw the athleticism, and clearly because he never got too many game reps, it's just he he couldn't build himself up. He couldn't get better. So I think that's a solid seventh round undrafted free agent type guy because he's not going to get drafted. I don't I don't think I don't I, he just didn't put enough on tape to get drafted. So I think he'll be an undrafted uh, free agent type. But yeah, uh, shout out Artavius Lynn. I told you I would do it. So. Uh, All right, guys, so I think that'll do it for this show. Uh, The first debut episode of the Powered by Horses podcast, man. It was fun, Destin. It was fun. Hopefully in the next uh, nine days, we can have a rock star fireworks popping champagne because we got all of our uh, picks right. And we didn't get Joe Tryon. We got Carlos Basham, and he's going to turn into a 15-sack-a-year guy uh, while Joe Tryon rides the practice squad. So <laughs> y'all should see uh, Destin's rolling his eyes right now. But anything you have to say for the for the fans, Destin? I mean, nothing much. I mean, I already have a jersey swap ready for Joe Tryon. So when when he's a Colt, I mean, I'm prepared um, for it. So we don't have to get into it too much, but I'm excited for it. But guys, just make sure you're following us. Um, following us at powered horses on Twitter. Uh, make sure, make sure you're subscribing to the blue stable everywhere where you listen to podcasts, the blue stable on YouTube. Um, that's where you're going to find all of our content. That's where you're going to find all of our partner shows content. Um, we're just super excited to be back in the content game. We're super excited to be bringing it to you guys from the blue um, big things ahead for this website. Um, and make sure you guys go look at my 
final draft rankings. I dropped it on the Blue Stable tonight. Make, make sure you guys go to thebluestable.com and you go check out my final draft rankings. No, don't, don't do that, guys. You're going to see some blasphemy in there. Uh, I, I j- Just go look at who he has at 21 and 24. You That, that just says it all right there. So, uh, but yeah, make sure to check him out over there. Make sure to check out No Horsing Around podcast. Shout out to One Call Technology for being our sponsor. Guys, thank you for being along for this ride. We know we've kept y'all waiting long enough. We had to do an episode for you. So, hey, it's draft season, and I don't think you want two other guys to do it with you other than Destin and I. So guys, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Powered by Horses podcast. It is going to be an incredible run. I'm going to smoke Destin on draft night. I promise you. So guys, once again, thank you. Have a blessed week. We will see you later this week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.